everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Time Out with DG podcast. I'm your host, DG, Daniel Gotera. Thanks for stopping by, as always. Two episodes in one week, ladies and gentlemen. We are off to a flying start in 2021. I appreciate all the support. Let's get all the particulars and all the business matters out of the way first. If this is your first time listening to it, welcome. If it's not, welcome back. And if you haven't yet, subscribe, like the podcast, write me a nice comment on Podbean, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, wherever you're listening to this. Uh, I would appreciate it. My bosses would appreciate it. And if the bosses appreciate it, that's good for me. So uh, thank you so much for tuning in to this edition uh, where we discuss James Harden and his exit from the Houston Rockets. As many of you know, by the way, first of all, full disclosure here, I recorded this episode of the podcast right after their practice on Wednesday, about 12 hours after James Harden pretty much disrespected the entire team in that ridiculous post-game press conference where he said none of this was fixable. Uh, I'll get into all that, my thoughts on that in a second. We'll listen to those comments. We'll listen to the comments from DeMarcus Cousins as well, which were pretty strong. But yes, I recorded a whole podcast with all my thoughts because I was so hot. I was heated because if you guys know me and you guys watch me on Sports Extra, I am not a fan of the current rocket structure or what was the rocket structure with James Harden. I think he had checked out a long time ago. He was uh, he was not going to lead them where they needed to go, and it was time to move on. Uh, so I was not a fan, and so I was hot, man. I was I was I was really really ticked off about what he said about his teammates, what he said about the Rockets team as as a whole, what he you know was inferring about Coach Steven Silas, how this isn't fixable. I mean, the whole thing that was just so disgraceful play that in a second but I recorded I recorded a whole podcast and uh and then it went up in flames after they traded Harden to Brooklyn so I was driving around got the news of the uh got the news of the trade luckily I didn't post what I had uh, said before because that that kind of would have defeated the purpose but uh I got the news and I just I look back to my son who was in the back seat we were actually going to the Lego store at the time he was all he's all fired up about Legos so am I by the way we have so many Legos I, I've lost count uh i turned back to my son and said well them's the breaks young man them's the breaks i have to record something completely new and here we are this is uh this is it this is a new recording of the james harden traded podcast okay so james harden decided to just burn down the building on his way out this is what he said after the second loss in three games three days to the lakers earlier this week which is not good enough um you know we just we don't we don't uh, obviously, chemistry, talent-wise, just everything. And it was clear, um, like I said, these last few games, um, they just, you know, from, the, from the beginning of the game, they were just aggressive. Uh, vet, veteran team, obviously, uh, championship team, and, um, you know, one of the best teams that we have in this league. Um, you know, I love this city. Um, I literally, you know, have done everything that I can, um, you know, I mean, this, this situation is, is, is crazy. You know, it's something that uh, I don't think can be fixed. So, um, yeah, thanks. All right, point blank, those are disgraceful comments, honestly. There are so many things that you can talk about with those comments that pretty much was his undoing here. I mean, they were going to trade him anyway, but this was the last straw. I mean, it pissed everybody off in the locker room. 
I mean, it it just burns so many bridges. Reportedly, Tillman Fertitta was disgusted with it, and rightfully so. They they all should be disgusted with it. It was disgraceful. You don't say those kind of things. And um, <laughs> the thing that got me is, like, he's supposed to be the leader of the team, and you're supposed to be in charge of fixing the problem. Um, and later on, my guest today is going to be Ben DuBose. He uh, covers the Rockets, Rockets Wire, USA Today affiliate. He covers them. He does a great job for those guys. If, you fo- if, you, if you're on Twitter and you are within that little Rockets world, Rockets Twitter world, you will see Ben all over the place. He, is a, he has been a hardened, a hardened supporter for a long, long time. When a lot of people have you know, given grief Harden's way, me included, Ben has always been there. So I thought it would be interesting to get his take on the, on the trade, Harden's legacy, and uh, what this means for the franchise moving forward. But going back to those comments, like he's supposed to be the guy in charge. He's supposed to be leading the way here to fix this, help Coach Silas fix this. But it was clear that he had checked out, and it was clear that he had checked out about 12 hours later when DeMarcus Cousins took the stage after practice, and he reacted to Harden's comments the night before. Obviously, it's, it's disrespectful, but... um. You know, everybody has a right to their opinion. It's, we feel a certain type of way about some of his actions. But, uh, you know, it's, this is some – this is the, you know, the nasty part of the business that kind of gets swept under the rug. Um, you deal with these type of things. And, um, you know, when guys are in positions of being, you know, franchise players or whatever the case may be, uh, it's usually sometimes a nasty, you know, breakup. I don't feel me personally. I don't feel betrayed at all. Um, my interest is playing with John Wall, to be brutally honest. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that being said, um, the disrespect started way before you know any interview. Um, just the approach to training camp, uh, showing up the way he did, uh, the antics off the court. I mean, the disrespect started way before. So uh, this isn't something that you know all of a sudden happened, you know, last night. But with that being said, like I said, this is the nasty part of the business. So obviously the players had had enough of Harden and his antics. Um, Eric Gordon actually saying after the trade, before they played San Antonio on Thursday, that it was clear that he didn't want to be a part of this team anymore. And, man, you know... I, I just hate to see that, man. Like, I, I was not a fan of Harden. I mean, he was incredible, transcendent offensive talent, one of the best we've ever seen. He was able to get to the basket, score at will. I mean, when he was on, when he cared, man, there was there was nobody that can stop him. Very few players were able to really keep up with Harden uh, during this five, six-year stretch that he's been on. But it, it's just so sad, and I, and I really felt bad for uh, Steven Silas. Like, there's there's no reason – a promising new head coach like that should be dealing with this kind of drama. First, he had Russell Westbrook he wanted to check out, then Harden. And, you know, more times than not, that's what you see with these players. In this NBA world that we're living in, where players have so much control over uh, what they want to do, what they want to say, where they want to go, um, that's what you see so many times. You know, these franchises kind of bend over backwards to help their star player get what they want, and that's what the Rockets did for Harden. They got rid of Dwight Howard when that wasn't working out. They got rid of Chris Paul when he was he was the Batman 
and James Harden was Robin. Like, James Harden was never going to be a leader, and I think Ben makes a good point later on. Uh, you'll hear him say what he thinks about Harden's, you know, maturity in certain situations. I mean, he just tended to just give up when it wasn't going his way. And this, obviously, he felt after a while wasn't going to go his way. He wasn't going to win a championship here because he needs to be in a situation where that's already made for him to succeed. He doesn't want to be the main guy. He's not built for it. He's not made for it. That's what really turned me off of Harden um, a long time ago. And it went back to when Durant got hurt when they were playing the Warriors in that playoff series a few years ago in Golden State. Like That was the moment for Harden to say, oh, crap, this is it. We we can beat these guys now. I mean, this is blood in the water. I got to get after it. Instead, he folded like a cheap suit, and Steph Curry was the one that took over, dominated that fourth quarter, and then they later went on to win the series, and Harden was nowhere to be found. Um, so that's, when, that's the moment that did it for me, and I just knew from that moment on these guys were never going to win anything. And then when they traded for Westbrook last year, I mean, it's just Harden kind of flexing his muscles on the organization, um, but that that ruined everything. They lost draft capital. They they just it put the franchise in a really bad spot. And then Harden comes back saying he doesn't want to be here. And then the press conference, his play on the floor. You know, three of his last four games, he hasn't even averaged twenty points. I think ESPN's Tim McMahon said the said it best. It's like a chicken and the egg scenario. Harden's not happy, and he doesn't feel they can win here but then he's not playing to the level that allows them to win, right? So you can't have it both ways. If Harden's not an MVP and not playing at that MVP level, the, the Rockets, even with Russell Westbrook, even with Chris Paul, they, were, they weren't going to go anywhere. Harden needed to play at an MVP level. He just couldn't um, wrap his brain around the leadership role, and he just doesn't have it. He doesn't have it in that capacity. And now, I mean, he's, he's pretty much ruined all goodwill at least for the time being here in Houston imagine like fan base is looking at Harden they always defended him 29 of the 30 NBA teams hated this guy they don't like the way he plays the fans don't like the way he plays but Rockets fans have been so loyal over the years defending this one guy um enough is enough especially after he just threw everybody under the bus and disrespected his teammates it's just sad to see oddly enough I think the Rockets got better after this, the Rockets making that trade. Uh, if we can quickly go over exactly what they got in the trade, let me pull all that information up here real quick. Um, the Rockets getting better, I thought. I mean, they they pulled in a lot of draft capital moving forward, which is awesome. I mean, the Rockets getting Victor Oladipo also in this trade. Um, this three or four team trade it ended up being a four team trade between the Rockets, Nets, Pacers, and Cavs. You know the uh, Although, let me rephrase that. It was a three-team trade, and then the Rockets uh, are in the works to trade for Victor Oladipo in a separate deal. But, you know, the Nets getting James Harden. The Rockets, I mean, they got, when it's all said and done, they got Oladipo, Dante Exum, Rodion's Curix. Okay. Three Brooklyn first-rounders near 2022, 24-26. And then... Four Brooklyn first-round swaps in 21, 23, 25, and 27. All those are unprotected. So, yeah, I mean, they made out, I think, pretty well. And honestly, they're more exciting to watch now. I've always said, man, like I've always said, it's better to have a team that just stinks with without any hope of winning than a team that's just kind of like 
flailing around being average for a while, just kind of like a fourth or fifth round, uh, fourth or fifth seed in the playoffs, then you play the first seed, and then you get bounced. I mean, that that does nothing. You're not building towards anything at that point. Uh, and that's where the Rockets were, and that's where the Rockets were heading. So at least now you've got some level of excitement. You have a team that allows Coach Silas to kind of mold in his own uh, in his own way. You know, he can he can now take guys like John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Eric Gordon. I know P.J. Tucker, he's probably going to get traded before the trade deadline. His contract is expiring. I don't think he wants to be here either. You've got Christian Wood, who's a really exciting player. You know, Ben and I discuss all this too, but it allows the Rockets to now kind of form their own identity under a new coach, under a coach that a lot of people think is going to be really good in this league. So, um I don't want to say good riddance, but I'm happy. I'm happy for the organization that Harden is gone. Uh, That was going nowhere fast. And um, it's just so disappointing that he had to take the approach that he did, just throwing a whole blowtorch to the whole building and the organization, teammates, everybody on his way out with those ridiculous and just ungrateful comments that he had uh, after that Lakers loss. That's going to be his legacy here for a little while, I think, overall. I mean, he was just a tremendous player, had a lot of great moments. Harden, um, you can argue, Ben does. He's the second-best player in franchise history. I think that that's probably right after Hakeem Olajuwon. They just could never get over the hump. They were close, um, but they could never get over the hump because Harden just didn't have it. He needed somebody else to do it. Chris Paul was the guy that could have won in 2018 with that record that they had. Chris Paul got hurt. And uh, they could never do it. So um, anyway, here's Ben. He's talking with me about the Rockets and James Harden's situation. I uh, hope you enjoy it. Your thoughts on what has been a crazy uh, 24, 48 hours here in Houston sports. So it's sad that after eight plus years, it ends this way for James Harden. I mean, this is the second best player in the history of the franchise and everyone wanted him I think to win a ring in Houston and to stay his entire career. Unfortunately, in the NBA, if you don't win a ring, it often doesn't happen that way. That's sort of the modern culture. With that said, at the moment, I feel mostly just relieved that this is over with because this has been such a cloud over the franchise for the last few months. And as someone that covers them every day, you know, it's nice. I feel pretty good for the guys in that locker room now, Steven Silas, John Wall, not to have to deal with this huge thing hanging over them. So it's sort of weird. It's like in the short term, I actually feel pretty good about it. I'm excited to see what they do. It's going to be fun to talk to guys that, you know, want to be there. But at the same time, I think it's one of those things that's going to head over the long term when, you know, you see Brooklyn going on likely a long run in the playoffs that I think that's when it's slowly going to hit uh, fans in Houston that, you know, the window for now is closed and this was the end of it. So I think in the short term, feel pretty good. Long term, I think it's slowly going to hit as the NBA season progresses that, you know, the Rockets aren't one of the big boys anymore. It went from zero to 60 so quick, right? Uh, About two or three Mm -hmm. months ago, all this stuff started coming out. Russell wanted out. James wanted out. Um, Is it, is it crazy for you to even think that it went that quickly I mean because last year look I mean it was a pandemic <laughs> year. it was kind of wild everything was just kind of dysfunctional you kind of mm-hmm. think well let's bring this guy back let's bring the team back see what happens but then it was it was wild man yeah. it, went, it went so fast um and it kind of spun out of control yeah so yes and no I'm not surprised because Harden's 31 years old and that's the age in which, you know, most NBA players, except for LeBron James, are uh, typically entering their decline phase. So he's 31. 
He hasn't won a ring. And for a lot of reasons, you know, the Rockets with that Russell Westbrook card, uh, that Russell Westbrook trade, that was them sort of pushing their chips to the middle of the table. That was the last big card that they had to play with all those future first-round picks they gave up to go from Chris to Russell. So when that didn't work out, you know, at face value, I get it. It sort of feels like the Rockets just, you know, peaked. And if they couldn't do it last year, then what's the next step that they can get better? Because, you know, James and Russell were both in their 30s. You don't really have future draft picks to give up in trades. So it's just sort of like they felt maxed out at a good but not great level. So I understand it from that level. However, you know, it's a little bit surprising because James was so instrumental in uh, getting that Russell Westbrook trade to happen, giving up not just Chris Paul, but all those future draft considerations. And I think that's what made it so ugly because from the Rockets' perspective, if James Harden was not under contract for all those years moving forward, there's no way they give up all those future draft picks for Russell Westbrook. It would be way too risky to go all in on basically a one-year experiment, giving up just two future first and two pick swaps. And as it turned out, Chris Paul also was the better player relative to Russell Westbrook. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things where I understand James looking at it just on paper saying, hey, I'm 31 years old. I'm running out of prime opportunities. I probably can't win a ring in Houston. This is the modern NBA, the player empowerment era, et cetera, et cetera. However, from the Rockets' standpoint, it's sort of like, hey, hold on. We only did this trade because we felt like, you know, with you on your contract, that we couldn't bottom out. We wouldn't be bad regardless. We'd have a few chances at least to make a run. And so I think that's what sort of, you know, I see both sides of it. Again, I understand where James is coming from, but from the team's perspective, it's sort of like, hey, we've got to uh, find some way if we're going to do this to recoup the value. And ultimately that's what they did with all those future draft picks that they picked up with the uh, Harden to Brooklyn deal, sort of recouping what they lost and then some from the Westbrook trade. And I think the Rockets holding firm and taking this into the season. And I think they benefited uh, from the Kyrie Irving uncertainty with the Nets and that sort of forced Brooklyn to make a move. But I think that's sort of what uh, drove this and made it as ugly as it was. You understand where James is coming from, but from the Rockets standpoint, they can't do him any favors, any more favors after they already did a favor to bring in Russell Westbrook one year ago. We'll talk about Harden here in a second, get your thoughts, because I know, you know, over the years, that's why I wanted to talk to you, too, because over the years, I mean, people follow you on Twitter. You're, you're, you're a big Harden supporter. You defended the yep. way he played and the way uh, the way he went about things. While it felt like 29 other fan bases were always sure. attacking you. Uh, so we'll talk to you about Harden in a little bit. But you're right. I think they I think they got a pretty good return. Yeah. So what is your take on what they got back, the four future picks, the four future draft swap? uh possibilities um so what what do you think about when victor oladipo too so just yeah. your assessment on that yeah i i like oladipo uh more than karis LeBert just because you know there's some questions coming off his injury but oladipo has been a two-time all-star he's a difference maker on both ends of the floor is there some risk absolutely and he's going to be a free agent but if you're not the la lakers or one of the big markets i suppose the brooklyn nets too now you have to think in the modern NBA upside. And that's sort of uh, what this trade says to me. You know, the Oladipo versus Levert component. Are there risks with Oladipo being, you know, in the last year of his contract and coming off an injury? Yes, but we've seen Oladipo at a higher level than Karis Levert, in my opinion, ever will be. So, you know, there's mystery to it, but also Oladipo clearly has more upside if you hit. The same thing is true, in my opinion, with the pitch. 
You don't know who eventually the Rockets are going to take with those draft picks, or more likely, in my opinion, who they trade those draft picks for. The, the analogy I made on Twitter is that I think the Rockets, it's almost like they're going back 10 years for longtime Houston sports fans. You'll remember when Gerald Morey was sort of collecting all these assets in the 2010, 2011 range, and eventually they flipped a lot of those for James Harden. I think that's probably what ends up happening with this. But the bottom line is that, you know, you look at the two finalists and Brooklyn and Philadelphia, they were the finalists because that's where James Harden wanted to go. And obviously teams are going to give more if they feel confident that Harden wants to be there. So um, the reason I think they went with the Brooklyn deal over Philadelphia, Ben Simmons, while a very good player, he has a clear ceiling based on his lack of a jump shot. You know, he's probably going to be a good top 15, top 20 player, but it's really tough. And we saw this last year with Russell Westbrook to build around a player in the modern NBA who can't shoot, especially if they are not a center. So I think, you know, Ben Simmons is better today, but I think you have more upside with the picks, either if you make them or if you trade them down the line and package for, you know, the next James Harden, the next disgruntled star that comes on the market, or maybe the team is not able to pay them for one reason or another. So, you know, it's tough to have a conclusive take today because we don't know what's going to happen with those picks down the road, whether they make them, they trade them. You know, we'll see what happens with the Nets. Maybe Harden, Durant, they leave to go somewhere else in free agency. Uh, maybe, I don't know, they just age out because right. Durant's 32, Harden is 31. So by the time you get these picks in 2024, 2026, the pick swaps in 2025, 2027, those are valuable. There's a lot of what ifs, but the bottom line to me is that with Oladipo and Lavert, and also with these uh, draft considerations in the future, Rafael Stone, the new Rockets GM, is gambling on the side of upside. And to me, when you're not a super major market, Houston's a very good market. It's not the Lakers. It's not, you know, the Nets, the Knicks. You sort of have to gamble on upside in the NBA because, you know, it's the LeBron James, the Kevin Durant teams that typically win. And so to me, you know, there's uncertainty, but they're gambling that with Oladipo and with these picks that they can do a little bit more than, say, a Karis LeVert or a Ben Simmons down the road. I don't know about you, but I think there's a little bit more intrigue now with this team sure. than there was with Harden on it. Now, really, I mean, I, I, it, it feels like I've always said that it's better to have a team be just terrible than a team that gives you false hope, right? And I, I felt like yeah. that's, where the, that's where the Rockets were, right? I mean, I, as you're bad, you can get you can kind of get going a little bit, but the Rockets aren't going to be bad, but they're intriguing because they have all these all this draft capital too. I don't know. I mean, I, I think they could be exciting to watch because John Wall's been playing well. DeMarcus Cousins seems to be healthy and playing well. I, that's kind of like my assessment right now where they are. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that it, it's sort of mixed feelings in that as long as you had James Harden, a top five player, there was always a path. There was always like a 5% shot that, you know, if the stars align, the chemistry clicks, maybe you get you know, an injury benefit that takes out someone else's best player. Not that you cheer for injuries, but sometimes, you know, it can boost your championship sure. odds. That's the way sports work. Um, there was always a path. Now, realistically, that path isn't there. However, also, I think you're right in that 95%, we sort of knew that the Rockets around James Harden at 31 years old, and again, without really a clearer uh, path to get better, without major draft picks, well, now, because they traded Harden, or uh, salary cap room, it sort of felt like they had a ceiling. And so it's just sort of like spinning your wheels after all these years, because we all know their best shots were in the Chris Paul era, those two series in 2018 and 2019 against the Warriors. So at least with this, while you don't have the championship upside, 
you know, you are building back to something. You know, Christian Wood in particular is a 25-year-old big man who has a ton of promise. He signed for three years. While I don't know if he's the best player on a championship team, can he be the Robin to someone else's Batman down the line? Absolutely. And he's excited to be here. He wants to be in Houston. I think John Wall's the kind of guy, a leader in the locker room, who could be really good as you're starting to build up some of these younger players. So it's exciting in that – you know, the downside is certainly that you don't have the championship potential, most likely, uh, this season anymore. With that said, you know, you have a group that does want to be here, and you actually feel like you're building to something uh, in the future. Whereas with Harden there, there might have been the 5% shot that, you know, the stars align. But the reality, it just sort of felt like you were spinning your wheels and waiting until the inevitable, okay, you're going to have to make a move. And then when he's out, well... Uh, what comes next? Now we see what comes next. And, you know, there's some uncertainty, but there's also some excitement with that. Uh, One other thing that I would add, you know, the one downside to being a fan when you have all of these future draft picks, it's tough to sort of bond, in my opinion, because it feels like so many of the veterans coming through, you know, yeah, John Wall, Victor Oladipo, they're very good players, but are they here long-term? Yeah. The odds are these guys are probably, you know, just bridge players to get you to that next generation. So what I'm sort of curious to see, and maybe this happens as you get closer to the trade deadline, we know P.J. Tucker on an expiring contract could eventually be traded. Would they be able to perhaps repackage some of those draft assets for, you know, a young player that might be, you know, a building block? Because to me, you know, they're going to be an exciting team, but the really exciting stuff for fans, I think Christian Wood is one, clearly, we just mentioned him, but can they bring in maybe by the trade deadline, another young piece that the fan base feels that they can sort of uh, grow with over the years? To me, if you're not having a James Harden, if you don't have a superstar, if you're not at the top of the line in terms of NBA contenders, which Rockets fans have become accustomed to over the last five years or so, then you want to have someone you want to have some pieces that you feel like you're building with. And so to me, Christian Wood is one, but that's the other area that I'm sort of watching and hoping that the Rockets can maybe make some progress on in the uh, weeks ahead, heading up to the trade deadline. I'm just happy for Steven Silas too. Oh yeah. Uh, Because this was just such a, just a terrible situation for him to come into first head coaching job, promising head coach. You, I mean, a lot of people around the league like the hire, and then he just gets thrown into the soap opera that he he did not ask for. So maybe he plays a big part in trying to convince some of these guys that, hey, this is a system that's worth building towards, and that's why I think down the stretch it's going to be so huge for them to win. Now now we go back to to Harden. How disappointing is it for you to hear what he said and how this thing ended? Um, Because – yeah, I mean, he had some good moments, obviously. I mean, I've been a, a yeah. big critic of Harden over the years. I just don't think he, he had the leadership material. Um, but, I mean, it's just so disappointing for him to just kind of set fire to the whole thing on the way out. It's just – that's you just hate to see breakups go like that. I know that's, that happens sometimes. But that was just – it was just so disheartening to hear. Yeah, especially – because it's going to turn the fan base, you know, you hit the nail on the head and that, you know, Harden, because of his unique style of play, takes so much grief around, you know, not just NBA Twitter, but, you know, the NBA community as a whole. He's a very unique player. And of course, you know, they've been so close, but never broke through for the title. And inevitably teams like that take a little more uh, heat than they should. But it's just like, I think it's a situation the analog that I'll go with now, he's a better player, but it's sort of like Tracy McGrady in that after about five years or so, 
the bonds, you know, really healed between, I feel like, McGrady and the Rockets fan base to where now people look back on those years, you know, relatively fondly. He shows up at Toyota Center. He's, you know, cheered a lot. Um, but when he left, it was pretty ugly because of the circumstances, because of the things that were set on the way out the door. And this was even rougher than that. So it's just unfortunate because I feel like even though the national perception of the James Harden years is going to be you know, close but no cigar. At the same time, this was the second best player in franchise history. There were some incredible moments for this team over the eight-plus-year run, not just for Harden individually, but, you know, 65 and 17, by far the best team uh, record-wise in franchise history. And if not for Chris Paul's hamstring, they probably win a title. And they're arguably, if they win the title that year, probably one of the top 10 teams of all time. I mean, they were that close. They're that good. And, of course, he's an MVP. And it's just, even though I can say it was means to an end, and I can sit here and tell you logically, I understand why Harden did it, and he's not the only guy in the NBA to go down this road. At the same time, how can you not feel for not just the other players in the locker room, but Houston fans having a guy throw the team, the organization under the bus on the way out the door? I think eventually people will move past it, but you know it's going to take – uh, you know, similar to McGrady, maybe even longer, you know, five, 10 years for people to sort of get past what's happened the last few months. And so it is a little bit unfortunate. You know, my guess is that there'll be a tribute video, but when he comes back on March 3rd, that's when the Nets are scheduled to come to Houston. My guess is that there's definitely a handful of boos. And even though I'd like to say, you know, everyone should cheer for him. I understand why some people are going to boo because they feel betrayed. This is not easy for the fans. So you know, it's a tough situation. And so I just wish it had been uh, handled better. And I wish, you know, the one thing that I, that disappoints me about Harden, I mentioned earlier his role in the Westbrook trade. It's pretty clear that that only happened because he wanted it. That's why things went down this road. If Harden had not pushed the Rockets to give up so much future draft capital in that Westbrook trade, I think the organization would have been much more willing to sort of play nice and do him a favor for being a good soldier all these years. So the reason that it took so long, the reason that it got messy was because of Harden, because he got this big favor in the middle of 2019. And then barely over a year later, he wanted another favor after yeah. already getting the organization to sort of mortgage its future to a degree. So it, it, in reality, like I said, I understand he got what he wanted and that's the playbook for the NBA. However, it's disappointing that he didn't have the awareness to realize that, you know, the self-awareness that, hey, the reason things are like this is because of a decision that I made. I'm the one that pushed them to do that big deal for Russell Westbrook. And so, you know, with, with that as the backdrop, again, it's easy to understand why the fans sort of feel like, you know, they've been thrown under the bus, that, that they don't matter. And so, yeah, it does sully it a little bit. I think eventually it'll get over it, uh, everyone, and we'll look back, you know, a decade from now and say that that was a really good run. But yeah, for the time being, it does sully it, and, it's, and it sort of sucks because over all these years, the Rockets fans have always had his back. And, right. you know, if the breakup went easily, I think Rockets fans would have cheered him on, you know, no matter what. I think mm -hmm. if this had gone down quietly, I think Rockets fans would have just gladly said, you know what, we're going to cheer for Brooklyn or wherever he goes to win a title, be happy for him. I think there will be a segment of fans that do that. There will also be a segment of fans that you know, either don't care or worse than that, want to see him lose. And I understand their perspectives as well. So I would just say it's made the situation unnecessarily complicated when 
you know, in a perfect world, I think we'd all be unified on this. I think for me, the other side of that disappointment coin for Harden is you mentioned lack of self-awareness when it came to all the, the, you know, the Westbrook dealings and the forcing of trades, but maybe it goes back to a person's makeup, uh, a player's makeup, but the lack of self-awareness when it came to him being who he is in the role that he was on this team, right? Like you saw, I mean, he saw so many examples going through the playoffs of that leadership role, that the guy that kind of takes over when the, when the moment matters most. I mean, his stats were great, but it, it goes back to those individual moments and the leadership and that quality. Maybe he just doesn't have it. I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he needs somebody else like a friend like Kevin Durant. I think that for me is the disappointing part because of the promise that he had as an overall talent and the legacy that he could have left. He just fell so short in that area and it just ruined a lot of the, things. It just couldn't, it just yeah. couldn't get over the, the, uh-huh. yep. the one common thread that I would say that runs through uh, all the James Harden shortcomings, it's not all his shortcomings. I should say the Rockets shortcomings in the playoffs in the Harden era, you know, there's a segment of Twitter that just oversimplifies it and said, oh, Harden's a choker. That's ridiculous. He's had some incredible playoff games, including on, you know, the biggest stages against uh, the Warriors. However, the one thing, the one common thread, and I do think you can see this to a degree in the trade negotiations, when things don't go his way, he has a way of sort of throwing up his hands and checking out. We certainly saw this in the game six against the Spurs in 2017. They lost by 40 at home. Uh, We saw this, uh, I think, a little bit in the Lakers series a year ago, especially the game four where Harden basically didn't, you know, he only put up like 11 shots, I think. Um, And in some ways, I think that was the one thing that, you know, the Harden partnership with Mike D'Antoni and Gerald Morey actually was not ideal because in many ways the D'Antoni and Morey philosophy you know, threes and layups. Well, what happens when that didn't work? Well, they kept shooting more of them, you know, hoping. (laughs) And in many cases, many cases they were right, but hoping that, you know, eventually you shoot so many, some are going to go in. Well, on rare occasions, you're going to run into, you know, an 0 for 27 stretch. But I think it sort of ties in with the Harden mentality as well. And that, you know, he just gets very frustrated. And I think that's why his partnership with Chris Paul was his ideal in that, you know, CP was that sort of headstrong guy Mm -hmm. to keep pushing. Whereas I think with the Harden way, it's just sort of like when there's a little bit of adversity and things don't go as planned, he gets frustrated. And sometimes he deals with the frustration by checking out. And I think to a degree that may have happened with the Rockets in these trade talks in recent months. And so, you know, that's the one black mark. As good as he is, there's not the, you know, I know you're a Chicago guy, you know, there's not the Michael Jordan quality of pushing through adversity at every turn. There's a very clear uh, checking out that happens at various stages when he, you know, when he's facing a certain degree of adversity. And so I think ultimately that did hold him back. I think that's why Chris Paul was his ideal partner. And maybe, you know, maybe that's why he's best suited as sort of being the one B to Kevin Durant in Brooklyn to where it's his team. Because I do think it's fair to say quality made it very difficult to win a title with James Harden as the only star. Now, granted the NBA, you know, this NBA where stars team up all the time, you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis, the loaded Warriors teams of a few years ago, LeBron in Miami, you know, we can go on and on. I mean, from a talent perspective, it's difficult, but if you are going to overcome it as, you know, a, 
a, a one-star team to win it all, you need your star to be truly transcendent. And I think it's fair to say that maybe that quirk in James Harden's personality, while he's still an all-time great player, that might be the difference in keeping him out of, say, the all-time top 10. He was a transcendent – he is a transcendent offensive player. No question about that. He, he scores with ease. It's really amazing. But uh, it's, just, it's just tough to see this whole thing in. But I'm excited about the Rockets' future. So, Ben, I know you're going to be covering him all the time. People should go check you out. Ben, thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me, bud. Thanks so much to Ben for uh, joining me there. Like I said, he's a, he's a good guy to talk to, especially when it comes to Houston sports. Um, he loves his teams, man. He loves his Missouri Tigers. He's a Mizzou alum. And he loves covering the Rockets, and I love that passion that he has for that too. So anyway, that'll do it for this episode of the podcast. We'll see what we talk about next time. I'm not sure what will happen in Houston sports at this point. Uh, what is going to happen? What, what other soap opera will pop up? Uh, we've already had the Texans become a disaster. Uh, let's just hope Deshaun Watson doesn't take any notes from James Harden on wanting to get a trade. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he will. I think Deshaun has a little bit more class than that. But uh, let's just hope he's not writing these things down. So the Texans are a mess. The Rockets are rebuilding. Astros are starting up soon. Pitchers and catchers reporting in about a month, so that should be exciting. We'll see where that goes. Until next time, though, I will see you later.